Thank you for choosing to listen to the sermons of the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ. We meet at 2309 9th Avenue in Haleyville, Alabama. And if you're ever in our area, we would love to have you as our guest. If you live in our area, we would love to study the Bible with you. You can call us anytime to study up a Bible study or just to gain more information at 205-486-9247. Also, visit our website, 9thAvenueCofC.com, or check us out on Facebook by simply searching for 9th Avenue Church of Christ. Now we hope you'll join us for a study of God's Word as we seek to follow Him each and every day from the Ninth Avenue Church of Christ in Haleyville, Alabama. If you're following along in the One Word series, you know that the word for this coming week is baptism. We've been in that stretch of the, the steps of salvation. And, and Adam talked last Sunday evening uh, about confession. And so this... Sunday, we will be tonight, we will be discussing uh, the topic of baptism. I, I want you to open, open your Bibles up to the book of Romans. This will be where we begin and we end our study tonight, and we'll, we'll look at some different verses in the middle. As I was preparing for this lesson... Once again, with the topic of baptism, we could preach probably every Sunday for a year on baptism and never repeat the same information. And so um, we just recently in our gospel meeting, uh, Brother Jay Lockhart gave us a, a very uh, well-done lesson on baptism. And so um, I, I'm going to do something a little bit different tonight. We're still going to talk about baptism, but maybe from a different angle. But uh, if you would like to continue this study on baptism or more information, uh, one great resource is that lesson preached by Brother Jay Lockhart um, on baptism. He, he did a, a wonderful job explaining uh, baptism. But tonight, let's begin in Romans chapter 6, the first seven verses. Romans chapter 6, beginning of verse 1. What should we say then? Should we continue in sin so that grace may multiply? Absolutely not. How can we, who died to our sin, still live in it? Or are you unaware that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? Therefore, we were buried with Him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with Him in the likeness of His death, we will certainly also be in the likeness of His resurrection." For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be rendered powerless, so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin, since a person who has died is freed from sin. Here in the book of Romans, we have a beautiful description of baptism. A beautiful description of what baptism is, what baptism does. And based on this text in, in Romans chapter 6, we're going to look at three aspects of baptism. We're going to compare those three aspects of baptism to the crucifixion because that is the, the parallel example in baptism and crucifixion for, for so many reasons go together. 
Um, of course, we know it's the crucifixion that makes baptism meaningful. It's the blood that was shed on the cross that, that makes the water meaningful. And so there's those natural connections. But, but in so many ways, these two events should connect together in our mind. When we think about baptism, there's three parts to that baptism. There's the death, there's the burial, and there's the resurrection. And so this evening, we will look at those three areas of baptism. Hopefully, we will look at the connection. We will look at the impact that that should have on us as a Christian. And then, on each of those aspects, I hope that we can make a connection to our life today. So let's begin with the death. In Acts chapter 2, on that day on Pentecost, when Peter preached the message that none had ever heard, when, when he preached that message that for the first time he was sharing with individuals, and, and we know the result of that, and we know that those individuals that, that heard that message were cut to the heart. On that particular day, when we think about death, We think about it as Romans chapter 6 just reminded us, the putting away, the burial of our old self. The putting away of former things. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we read... Sorry, I've completely lost my place. Uh, We read beginning in verse 11. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put aside childish things. For now we see only reflection as in a mirror, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, as I am fully known. Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Paul's reminding us of that need to put away childish things, of that need to progress as Christians, to learn new things as Christians, to develop as Christians. When I read New Testament examples of baptism, when you study those New Testament examples of baptism, a lot of times you do see this dramatic change in an individual. We mentioned this morning uh, Paul or, or Saul and his dramatic change. But I want us to think for just a minute, us. We talked this morning about pew packers. You hear your children come home from Bible class or from VBS with so much biblical knowledge, with so many stories that they've learned from the the time they were in cradle roll all the way through our Bible school program. When a young person who has grown up in the church makes that decision to put on Christ in baptism. Most of the time, there's not a huge life change. There's not a life change like we see in Acts chapter 2 or in most situations in Acts. Because they've been taught from birth what it means to be a child of God. And so sometimes it's hard for us to understand this concept of of death and and putting away our old selves to become a new Christian. So here's the connection I want us to make to us today. When we, who have been taught our whole lives the gospel, 
death to us should represent us answering the question, how can I get rid of sin in my life? And us making the statement that I can't do it on my own. I've got to submit to someone else. I've got to submit to something greater than myself. If I can't do it on my own, I've got to submit to something. Up until that point, we have been taught to to be independent and to attempt to do things on our own. And we're admitting that we can't overcome sin on our own. And so I'm putting that thought process to death. I'm saying I can't do it on my own and I need Christ and the blood that was shed to help me with this problem in my life that's sin. This problem in my life that I'm separated from God. And so I put to death that childish way of thinking that I can do it on my own or if I can't figure it out, I'll call mom and dad and they'll help me out. I don't know what's going on there, but... I put away that childish thinking like Paul said in the book of Corinthians. I put to death that selfish attitude and I begin to submit to Christ because I understand what His death on the cross represented. The second thing I want us to look at is the burial. The burial is represented by the moment that we are submerged, we are buried in the water of baptism. We're buried in the blood of Christ that washes away our sins. If you will, open your Bibles up to the book of Mark. I want us to look at at something here um, that I I find kind of interesting. I I don't know. I hope you will as well. Throughout Scripture, you've seen the importance of the number three. And you see how when things are put into groups of three, it represents completion. It represents fullness. The Godhead. What we see so many examples of the number three in Scripture. We can even relate that to our lives today. The first time something happens to you, for example, you you realize that your foot's hurting. You step on it funny and you think, man, that that didn't feel right. And so the natural reaction is to do what you just did and see if it hurts again. And so now it's hurt twice. And you think, well, maybe I just stood on it wrong all day or, or maybe I just stepped wrong or maybe it was the pavement. And so you wait a little while and then you go back a third time and you do what you did earlier. And if it hurts for a third time, then you start to think, maybe I need to see a doctor. Maybe there really is something wrong. We understand that idea of the third time it becomes a pattern and we see the importance of what's going on. Mark was the same way in the way that Mark wrote. Follow along with me, if you will. We're going to look at three stories in the book of Mark and see their importance. As we go through this very quickly, I want you to have something in the back of your mind. When Christ was buried, when Christ died on the cross and He was buried, there were two men, two criminals that stood on each side of Christ the day that He was crucified. Those two men did not die for our sins. And we understand that. 
there was something different about the blood that was shed by Christ on that day. Because you see, if there wasn't something different, then Christ would have just been a third man in that event. But there was something different. And the moment we realize what it was that was different is the moment that we realize the necessity of baptism. The moment that we realize that Jesus was the Son of God. Adam mentioned last week in, in his lesson on confession that, that concept of, of before baptism we confess that I truly believe Christ is the Son of God. Because what I'm saying is I believe that what I'm about to do, this water that I'm about to be immersed in, that it has power. Not the water, but God that I serve has power. And I believe there was something different about that individual that was on the cross. I believe there was something different about the blood that he shed than what those other two men shed. So let's look at that in the book of Mark. In Mark chapter 1, beginning in verse 9, we see this story of the baptism of Jesus. It says, In those days Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized in the Jordan by John. As soon as he came up out of the water, he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. Story number one is this moment when Jesus was baptized himself. Now, we know that Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. When John was being described, who was he compared to based on where he lived and what he ate, living in the wilderness, eating locusts and wild honey? What Old Testament character was he compared to? Elijah. He was compared to Elijah. Keep that in the back of your mind. Turn over to Mark chapter 9, verse 1 through 7. Here we see the transfiguration event in the life of Christ. Beginning in verse 2 of chapter 9, it says, After six days Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up a high mountain by themselves to be alone. He was transfigured in front of them, and his clothes became dazzling, extremely white, as no one on earth could whiten. Elijah appeared to them with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it's good for us to be here. Let us set up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, because he did not know what to say since they were terrified. A cloud appeared overshadowing them, and a voice came from the cloud, This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. Once again, we see a moment in which we have this connection between Elijah and Jesus. We have this moment where the heavens were open and God spoke, saying, This is my beloved son. The moment during the baptism when God spoke... Nobody really understood what was being spoke at that moment. Here, during the transfiguration, you have a couple of more audience members. We have those few that went with Jesus up on the mountain. A little bit bigger of an audience that begin to now hear and understand that Jesus is the Son of God. 
that message is beginning to spread. And then if you will, turn with me to Mark chapter 15. And let's look at the third situation. Mark chapter 15, beginning in verse 33. It says, When it was noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is translated, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, See, he's calling for who? Elijah. We see that connection again immediately. Someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, fixed it on a stick, offered him a drink and said, Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down. Jesus let out a loud cry and breathed his last. Then the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. When the centurion who was standing opposite him saw the way he breathed his last, he said, Truly this man was the Son of God. We begin with the moment in which Jesus himself was baptized. God said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Then you have the moment of of transfiguration. Am I off? You have the moment of of transfiguration in which the, the audience grows larger of those understanding that Jesus was the son of God. And then the third place, the moment when Christ breathed his last on the cross, you have a Roman centurion standing there confessing that Jesus was the Son of God. You had three situations of understanding that Jesus was the Son of God. When we think about these three examples throughout the book of Mark, it represents to us the completion from beginning to end of the message being spread that Jesus was the Son of God. We see a moment in which God first pronounced that at the baptism of Christ to the moment when it was understood by a Roman soldier that Jesus really was the Son of God. If we understand that Jesus really was the Son of God, and we truly understand what that means to our life, then we understand the importance of the burial and baptism. Because that's the moment that we realize that the blood truly has the power to wash away our sins. The second place is the burial. The third place is the resurrection. Let's turn back. I said we would begin and finish in the book of Romans. So let's open back up to the book of Romans, chapter 6. And let's pick up where we stopped earlier. We ended in in verse 7. Let's begin in in verse 8 of chapter 6. It says, Now if we died with Christ... And so we've looked at this example and we have we've thought about our death of putting away our old life, of thinking we can do it on our own. We've been buried to that death, had our sins washed away, and now 
we're picking up that thought in verse 8. It says, Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him. Because we know that Christ, having been raised from the dead, He died to sin once for all time. But the life He lives, He lives to God. So you... Consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its desires. And do not offer any parts of it to sin as weapons for unrighteousness. But as those who are alive from the dead, offer yourselves to God and all the parts of yourself to God as weapons for righteousness. For sin will not rule over you, because you are not under the law, but you are under grace. The moment that we submit and we understand the death of our sins is connected to the death that Christ died on the cross. Once we understand that Jesus truly was the Son of God. We have our sins washed away through the burial of baptism. Since Jesus was resurrected on the third day, we too, when we are resurrected out of the water, can walk as new Christians. We can begin to share the message of the death of Christ to others. Hopefully you can see that pattern. That once we understand the death and the burial. And once we've experienced the resurrection. We can begin to teach the importance of the death once again. Because that death that gave us hope. Can give someone else hope. That hope is offered for all. When we think about baptism, I think we understand the power of baptism. I think we understand what baptism represents. I think we understand the sins that are washed away by the blood and by the water. But let me ask you a question. This evening. There's a fly. As you think about baptism, do you truly believe that the only way to come in contact with the blood is through that baptism? Do you truly believe that you that the God that you serve is the same God that died on that cross. Do you believe in the power of the blood? It's a wonderful song that that we sing so often. There is power in the blood. Do you believe it? We can sing it. Do you believe it? Do you believe it enough that you'll go teach it? Do you believe it enough that you'll share it with your family? Do you believe it enough? Do you believe in the power that you want to be washed when you stand before God on the day of judgment? 
Do you truly believe in the power of the blood? This evening, if you're sitting there and you've never been buried with Christ in baptism, you've never come in contact with the blood, you've never had your sins washed away, ask yourself this question. Is there something else that can get me to heaven? Is there something else that I believe is going to get me to heaven? If your answer to that is no, then my next question is, what are you waiting on? What are you waiting on? If you think and you understand that's the only way to heaven, it's through contact with the blood of Christ. What is it that you're waiting on? Maybe you have been baptized. Maybe you were, you were resurrected and at one point you were living a faithful life. But life just got difficult. Addiction. Suffering. Grief. Troubles, worries. Whatever it is, you fill in the blank right there. Came in the way. It began to be too much for me to handle. And I turned my back on God. And I began to think that maybe the God that I thought one day had the power to wash away my sins was not powerful enough to handle my problems, my other problems in life. I thought he was powerful enough to handle the problem of sin, but not the problem of of how am I going to make rent this month. Not the problem of of how am I going to make my car payment this month. We lost focus on the power of God. But tonight you're sitting there and and you've thought about it lately and you thought, you know what? I need to make a greater commitment. Some things in my life I need help getting over. I need help overcoming these certain things in my life. Several of you tonight are sitting by somebody you hadn't sat by in a while. And if you sat beside somebody new every time you walked through the doors, it shouldn't matter where we sit. It shouldn't matter what pew you sit in. Because if we truly want to be the first century church, and we truly want to be the church that Christ died for, then no matter where you sat, you'll be sitting beside a brother and a sister. And you'll be treated like a brother or like a sister. And you'll be treated like family. And you would be able to confess your sins one to another because there would be love that was shared throughout this auditorium. And that love would not only be seen in this room, but it would be seen in our community. It would be seen everywhere that we go. Because if I'm living like God wants me to, then I'll love every brother and sister. And I want to do whatever I can to make sure that we all go to heaven together. I'm going to say what I've said before, and I'll probably say it many more times. There's not a person in this room that I don't want to spend eternity with in heaven. Not a person in this room that I don't want to spend eternity with.
What are you doing to make sure you get there? You're here on a Sunday night because you believe there's something special about the God that you came to worship. If you truly believe that, don't you want to spend eternity with Him? Don't you want to make sure that everybody that you love is there for that eternal day? If you have worries about where your eternity stands tonight, cast those worries away because the God that we serve is a powerful God. And He can help you overcome. And while it's true that that those problems may not go away while you're here on this earth, and there may always be that thorn in your flesh, there's coming a day, as the song says, when our faith shall be made sight. What a glorious day if we're ready. What a scary day if we're not. Are you ready for the judgment day? If not, make preparations. Let us assist you in any way that we can. Make that commitment tonight. Make that commitment right now while together we stand and while we sing.